Warning. The Return of Snakeland podcast contains descriptions of sexual assault, suicide, and murder, as well as homophobic slurs. If you feel there is any possibility of triggering, please listen with caution. Time to return to Snakeland. Hi, I'm Jason Gusman, and this is episode seven in which we examine the cultural history of Kenmore, New York in 1985 to 1986. Um, Aaron, one of the one of the things that I, I know listeners are gonna notice right up front is that the first uh, two or three minutes of this podcast is easily going to be the most boring minutes of this oh, podcast. Oh, no. No. It's true. it's true. Now, don't get me wrong. It's certainly no Altimio Sanchez, but it is oh, a little boring. It is. And probably the most boring stuff that was, you know, has been in the, uh, the podcast thus far. But one of the key things to keep in mind is that what we're talking about here is the way that Kenmore wants to be presented and what actually happened. Interesting. Uh, um, yeah, because um, we have, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes. I think people have to dial back the clock to what 1985, 1986 look like. And oh, yeah. um, it's, it's it, yes, the, the, the buildings were relatively the same. The streets were the same. But a lot mm-hmm. of things were culturally different. Absolutely. And unfortunately, I mean, it barely, the, the history, as it were, barely makes it up to 1985 or 1986 before it just drops off completely. Um, it's, it really tends to, uh, the official history, tends to stick to uh, the quaint, you know, the more... The, white, the whitewash. The whitewash, which is, you know, well said. You know, absolutely. So, uh, well, anyway, with no further ado, let's get into the whitewash. Uh, Kenmore (laughs) is a village in Erie County, New York, United States. The population was 15,000, give or take, at the 2010 census. It is part of the Buffalo-Niagara metropolitan area. Kenmore is in the south part of the town of Tonawanda, which, again, if you've been listening, the town of Tonawanda is different from the city of Tonawanda, is different from North Tonawanda, in what respect? I mean, just basically, you, you would drive through, it takes five minutes, you'd never notice the difference. Anyway, yep. but in this case, we're talking about the town. And together with the town, it is often referred to as Kenton. It is bordered to the south by the city of Buffalo. The village is in the northwest part of Erie County. Um, here's where it begins. The village has received accolades. In 2009, the American Planning Association named Kenmore one of the top 10 great neighborhoods in the United States. The village is also one of the country's 100 most densely populated incorporated places. I don't know if that's positive or negative. Yeah. (laughs) And in uh, 2011, Buffalo Business first named Kenmore the highest rated community in western New York. Really? Yep. I I guess so. I mean, I wasn't really paying much attention to uh, (laughs) business first that year or any year. So Um, (laughs) the village of Kenmore was incorporated in 1899 from part of the town of Tonawanda. It is known as Buffalo's first suburb. According to the United States Census Bureau, the village has a total area of 1.4 square miles, all of it land. So basically Kenmore... Uh, as we know it, in which all these things happened, all the stuff took place. It all took place geographically in a space less than a mile and a half square. It's, so that's, it's like a postage stamp of land. It really is. It's pretty small. 
And if you see it on a map, you're just like, this is like the small, like, why is this village of Kenmore here? (laughs) It's so bizarre, you know, like, why didn't Buffalo overtake it? Why didn't Town of Tanawana overtake it and just become one? But there it is. It's its own thing. And yet, yeah, absolutely. There, there it is. Okay. Well, here's this is from the American Planning Association that that uh, gave these guys the award back in uh, 2009. Uh, Buffalo's first bedroom community and streetcar suburb, Kenmore is a quaint village with its own mayor, trustees, and police and fire departments. Here you'll find tree-lined streets and exceptional views of the Queen City's skyline. Sidewalks line both sides of every street, making this compact neighborhood one of the 100 most dense incorporated places in the U.S. Again, that doesn't sound good to me, but, you know, we'll we'll find out what that is. Uh, Nearly every residence is within a quarter-mile walk of a bus stop, and low traffic volumes bring bicyclists to neighborhood streets. If you're interested... I did look it up. In fact, uh, I, I took time and actually looked it up. So I, I'm actually going to make you guys listen. What is a bedroom community, you ask? A sleepy, a sleepy community. <laughs> very <laughs> Indeed. sleepy. <laughs> Indeed. Or a very sexy community. Ooh, I like Unfortunately, it. it is neither. A bedroom no. community is a residential area in which a large number of people live but do not work. They come home to sleep, but the rest of their lives are spent where they work, socialize, and take part in activities that interest them. Okay. And they also made reference to a streetcar suburb, and I'm going to tell you about that. A streetcar suburb is a residential community whose growth and development was strongly shaped by the use use of streetcar lines as a primary means of transportation. So again, um, this this is something that is totally meaningless as far as uh, modern Kenmore goes. You know, just there's there's nothing that uh, that has to do with the uh, the streetcar lines unless you're kind of passionate about that kind of thing. You know. <laughs> um, but basically, what it seems to shake out for me, and Aaron, please correct me if you think I'm I'm being judgmental here. But it all really just seems to just establish this veneer of quaintness and quiet. And what that does naturally is to maintain high housing costs to obtain that quaintness and quiet and uh, high village taxes for the same thing. I'm not hearing you telling me I'm wrong. So um, I guess so. Uh, no, I, I, I would agree. And. I would say they did a pretty good job. So that's the thing is when you drive through Kenmore, you really do feel like this is a quaint little town. You have the village, they have little shops lining, mm-hmm. you know, Delaware Avenue and, and um, uh, Elmwood Avenue. So it, it seems like, oh, this is nice. It's so cute. And the houses are, you know, like pretty well maintained and, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a decent neighborhood. Um, sure. And that's the thing is it's uh, compact and it's small and it has that feeling that people like that everything's all right there that you could just like, you know, go to the store and, you know, maybe go grocery shopping or maybe, you know, pick up some flowers or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. get a cup of coffee, that kind of thing. Right. Like the neighborhood feeling, yeah. you know, that, that, uh, that type of thing. And it, and, it, and it did still have that back when, and I think even more so uh, when uh, when I was going to West, and and the same with uh, same with you, Aaron. I, th- I think that's it's it's just either the uh, the veneers off just because we know so much about <laughs> you know what's what's happened and how things actually are. You know, it's it it, it, it still it still has to do with just again the um, maybe that that veneer is just not as well preserved as it once was, you know, maybe just because of the huge amount of traffic now and then the, uh, you know, again, the, um, the much busier shops, coffee shops, et cetera. But yeah, um, things, things have changed. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think it still keeps that. I just think it's just that now people, uh, are more mobile even than before. So, you know, you jump in the car, you can go much farther. And I, 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 I mean, not that it was that different when we were younger, but mostly mm-hmm. you can, within a certain radius, I think. And now people just, they'll take, they'll drive for a good hour to go someplace, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that's, you know, that's something to be examined as well as just how far, uh, you know, people are going to travel just to work or, or, or anything, anything else, you know, as far as leisure goes and the rest. 
basically, it, it's pretty clear that the history of Kenmore that we have obtained here is lacking. Then you have the option. You have the option of looking into, let's just say, folk history. Mm. And most people would probably not consider the Urban Dictionary online to be folk history. However, somebody, some nameless somebody, did a definition of what Kenmore, New York was. Was it somebody here? No, no, actually, it's 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 not. No, no. Um, yeah, no. This is somebody who was obviously going to like Ken West during that year, like 2011. You know, oh, they were okay. they were a student because uh, because they offer up some history of Kenmore West itself a little bit later on. But I'm gonna read this for you. This is the Urban Dictionary definition of Kenmore, New York, July 10th, 2011. Kenmore, New York, is a village inside the town of Tonawanda. It is extremely small and is known to have at least one racist cop for every two streets. Ooh. Paranoid white people have been moving there since the 50s and voting for higher taxes and strict rules. <laughs> Kenmore's roads are always plowed right away, and a party of more than 25 underage drinkers is doomed. This has earned Kenmore a top 10 ranking from the American Planning Association in 2009. Um, Kenmore wishes it was Williamsville, but it's not because it shares a border with Buffalo, resulting in many robbings and mischief. Because of this, the police are always cracking down hard on drivers and youth. The old people are the most yuppiest kind you can find, but the kids are all either emo, hipster, or wig bag. I don't know what wig bag means. I actually looked up wig bag on the Urban Dictionary. And it, it just it, all it basically said was a, a uh, <clears throat> basically like a, a casing around the testicles, uh, but that doesn't really define uh, an individual. So interesting. Anyways, the the the, the writer uh, continues. They try to act ghetto, but everyone knows they're from the whitest suburb around. The biggest dream of most Kenmore residents is to possibly move to Amherst or Clarence. And then, as per most uh, Urban Dictionary entries, there are quotes at the bottom using uh, the the term uh, Kenmore. Oh, shit, we just entered Kenmore. Slow down to five miles below the speed limit, lower the radio, and buckle up. Yeah, that would be accurate. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and it stayed accurate and it was accurate back then. But yeah, I would say this is like the exact opposite of what we just read before with the uh, the accolades of Kenmore. And then this is like, <laughs> <laughs> this is like turned on its head. Oh, sure, sure. And, and also, I mean, I know for a fact, like, this is the kind of definition of Kenmore I would have appreciated back when I was 15 or 16, you know, right. depending upon what year it was. And uh, any party of 25 kids would almost immediately be shut down, which of course flies in the face of the 90, the 90 youths yeah, at the large allowed. Yeah. beer marijuana party. But, um, Hey, you know, again, there's, there's, there's room for, uh, room for discussion here. So absolutely. But, uh, okay. So, and now as far as the actual history of Kenmore West high school, if it's even possible, this is more boring than the description of Kenmore, New York. So we're essentially going to move on here and just say that, you know, really, if you've been listening up until this point, you've got a pretty decent handle on Kenmore West. And we're going to give you the rest, you know, today in, in this uh, in this podcast. I mean, if, if it indicates anything, Wolf Blitzer is the uh, the celebrity that they're always, you know, turning out as far as the, you know, the fact that Kenmore West has produced, you know, great people and I'm pretty sure you've watched something with Wolf Blitzer, Aaron. I know you have. Yeah, and he's uh, just a uh, just a just a just a sad, boring kind of teddy bear robot. He is oh, yeah. he's, he's just he's just ridiculous. I mean, don't get me wrong. He he says statements that are true on the news, but that's all he does. You know, right. um, so not 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 huge there. Not huge. The other thing to note is that on the uh, the Kenmore West uh, Wikipedia page, the section on athletics is easily the largest section on the page. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know how it was for you, uh, Aaron. I, I mean, I don't. 
I think I think the jocks, you know, played the same role with with you guys that they did with us. And and that was really that was really more of just I don't know, kind of an annoyance more than anything else. It wasn't I would, really. I would say uh, a, a nuisance of tyranny. You know, they, they weren't like over. They weren't like maybe the most powerful, but you know, there were a couple guys that were full grown men. Uh, truth. By the time no, we were, truth. You know, and yeah. so it wasn't all of them. Some no, were fine, no. But uh, there was always like, I would say about five or six that you know. Uh, probably their dads beat them pretty hard and they felt they had to do that to everybody else. <laughs> oh, sure. And that's, and probably most folks are going to be agreeing with you too. Um, but just for me, I think, I think I tend to minimize the amount that the jocks were a real force with just the issue, you know, with, with the heads, you know, that, that I had, I had personally. And, and, and we'll, we'll go into that a little bit too. And, and I'm hoping that you can give some, uh, some indication of how it, how it's gonna, you know, how it, how it sorted itself out from, you know, from 85, 86 to, you know, the four years that, uh, that you were there. So, yeah, we'll do. But once again, our, uh, anonymous, anonymous wordsmith at the <laughs> urban dictionary <laughs> is poet. giving us the, uh, the, the Kenmore West. <laughs> Uh, low down, and this is also this was a this was a banner day for this individual. July tenth, twenty eleven, just five minutes down the road from Buffalo, Ken West is a high school in the lovely village of Kenmore, filled with every type of kid you could imagine: the drug addicts, the gang members, the emos, the asshole jocks, the kids who need to grow up, the overachievers and suckups, the ghettos the goths, the theater addicts, the preps, and many more. It has way too many principals and way too many bad teachers, but not enough parking spaces. Mm -hmm. The students spend their lives at Muddy Taco, making an appearance at every function and getting screamed at by cops in the parking lot. (laughs) They are experts at red card drills and conversing with evil secretaries especially in guidance. Hmm. I don't know what a red card drill is. I don't know what that is either. Yeah. Okay. That's, 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 yeah, that's after our time. Sorry. Yeah, I got it. So that's, that's no, no worries then. So, all right, let's see. Um, the Ken West students lives revolve around beating East, watching TV and not getting caught cheating on everything. Phrases often heard in the halls include shut the fuck up. Yo, I got so wasted last night. Where were you? And yeah, I know her. We're MySpace friends. <laughs> okay, it itself incredible. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> but 2011, I think that's already like you know, becomes out. totally passe. So that's like an insult, you know. Like you know, we're MySpace friends. <laughs> yeah. But um, but the other the other bits are still things that you would have heard, you know, anytime from 1985 till now. And I'm sure way into the future, you know, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the definition this time around is actually really interesting. Take this. Kenmore West High School, known for student-teacher relationships, Ooh. spaghetti day, and lots of messed up kids. Okay. <laughs> That's all well and good. But the fact is, is that there were student-teacher relationships that were incredibly improper. Mm-hmm. That have resulted in lawsuits against, well, frankly, against the one living uh, coach teacher mm-hmm. who uh, who was who was uh, who was you know basically accused of grooming a young lady or young ladies you know for for sexual purposes. We're going to get into that in a a future podcast. For this one right now, the fact that this individual. Uh, had this this kind of knowledge of the student teacher relationships is pretty amazing because even though they were long before 2011, uh, the lawsuits weren't filed right. uh, by by the grown up women now right. uh, until I think it was 2019, 2018 yeah. or 2019. Yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. Were there that you knew of, Aaron? Were, was there was there any talk of that kind of thing still going on? When you were at West for the like, you know, basically teacher student relationships. Yeah. You know, I, obviously we know now in hindsight that some of these uh, gym teachers were 
just totally inappropriate. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know per se, but honestly, those guys were just skeevy. I mean, and I knew it even mm-hmm. when I was younger and I didn't know, I, I didn't participate in sports. So I, I didn't, wasn't, I was just right. going to gym class and in and out kind of thing. So it wasn't a big right. deal, but every time we had any interactions with them, I was like, God, these guys are freaking weird. So um, I, I think they've have a stigma for a long time for me for all gym teachers as for anybody else um you know there were some there were some odd odd teachers i would say but nothing mm-hmm. that crossed the line that i could see there were there were some teachers i think that probably should have been like retired quite quite some time after but that's more just because they're just terrible teaching no no i mean like that's that's a good reason is not so yeah. absolutely, absolutely. Really, I mean, if if anything, we should be uh, speaking to a, just a woman who was a young lady at West during that period to see, you know, essentially, you know, like how this was how this was being spread around. If it was active or it was just, you know, stories about the uh, the skeevy gym teachers, et cetera, et cetera. I am sure. I'm sure. If, sure. If we uh, had a woman that grew up in that era. I'm mm-hmm. sure they would have maybe a few stories to tell. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm positive. And, you know, there would be, if not direct abuse, there'd be overtures directed towards them or their friends that they could say something about. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, me being, you know, uh, not that, you know, sexual abuse or any of that kind of stuff doesn't happen to a man, but, uh, or, or a young, oh. young teenage oh, sure. boy, but, sure. um, but just that it's probably going to happen more often with the females. So. Right. You know, I mean, the fact is, is that, I mean, we, we, you know, I'd just like to believe, you know, that, that, you know, everything, everything is equal as we were talking about before with the, uh, uh, the number of suicides that were, you know, committed with, with a gun overwhelmingly, uh, male. And unfortunately this is, this is the other side of that where the, the number of, I think, um, young people being sexually abused by predators at school is overwhelmingly female as well so yeah yeah unfortunately that's the worst part about it i mean it's all bad but oh sure no, say, I but mean, i mean it's just it's mm-hmm. um that is just the nature of these guys that they they think that they can you know take a young girl and you know do mm-hmm. whatever they want and not have any repercussions it's and it's shocking that sure. that that was actually the case for so long and hopefully some of that is changing for the better these days but oh yeah I, I mean, I, cer- I certainly would think so, but um, yeah. But we'll, uh, of course, uh, we'll see uh, if if there's anybody out there who actually has something, uh, you know, specifically, um, you know, a woman witness to something, or uh, just just that that had um, better or closer knowledge of this sort of thing. Aaron and I would certainly appreciate it uh, if you got in contact with us. Yeah, so. just email us at uh, mm-hmm. returnsnakeland at gmail dot com. So on the Kenmore West website, this is what's kind of uh, – it gives me pause just in the respect about what is being offered to the kids at Kenmore West these days. Uh, it's, the website features pages on character education and bullying prevention, mm-hmm. crisis hotline and virtual support sessions, and a counseling and career center featuring seven counselors – Mm-hmm. Two psychologists and one social worker. We had maybe one counselor. I think okay. I had. I think there was two, maybe two, when I was okay. there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All, all I remember is my guidance counselor. Yeah. Who was I mean I, I didn't see the guy for the first three years, and then it was like basically okay, so you're going away to to college. Great. Bye. You know. So I, I, yeah, that staff. guidance counselor, he was probably had the most useless job. I don't even know <laughs> what that guy did. I met with him <laughs> once, and he was literally did nothing for me, like zero. Sure, sure. It was probably the same guy, honestly. I, so. And I don't even remember. I remember being in his office once. We talked briefly. Sure. Sure. That's. I mean, that's the thing is that I remember very much that it was brief. So. Yeah. Right. Right. But. Uh, 
Yeah. So, and, it, and this, I mean, I kind of just looking back on it, especially because we didn't have any of this and we also, we also didn't have the internet. So, you know, certain things wouldn't be possible, but it does make the open arms group that we've discussed previously, even more impressive right. in that there was, n you know, there was nothing, there was nothing else. They were essentially just the, the, just the, the thin line, you know, between, you know, some kids and suicide. So yeah. Yep. It's it's pretty it's pretty intense. So Yeah. But um well Aaron, with that, uh I'm gonna get into the cultural tribes of Kenmore, New York oh, back boy. in eighty five <laughs> and eighty six. And this is and this is gonna be um this is gonna be uh you know, you know, a good time. I mean I think I think it's necessary to try to be as even handed about this as possible, but um you know, we'll hash through it. You know, um, the, the the first the first tribe was uh, the band kids uh, and the band kids. While I was going to West, I was I was friends with a couple of those guys. They were almost all stoners, um, good musicians, you know, fine, fine musicians and almost always with the most terrible taste in music. Uh -oh. I mean, awful, like progressive rock, jazz fusion, the police, you know, just uh you know, just just the kind of thing that you just you just want to rip that shit right off the stereo. You know, uh, so, yeah, that's yeah. the thing is like they always get into that those jam sessions, and you hear mm -hmm. like they they want to talk about, uh, like you said, the prog rock stuff, and you're like, mm -hmm. look, I can appreciate it, but it needs to be shortened up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> we need to trim it down a bit. That yeah, ten minutes doesn't need to be there. You sure, know? sure. Yeah, no, definitely. I lost interest but, after the first minute. <laughs> that's well, that's the thing. That's what was so great about punk rock. You see, it just after that first minute, the song was over. Yes, you know, exactly. there was no time to get bored. It's yeah, good stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Next up, we got the drama kids. Back then, I, I, I think they're doing more modern stuff now, but back then, put on lame musicals and cheesy 1940s comedy dramas. Uh, the drama kids actually had some crossover between the cooler heads and punks and the band kids were always brought in for the musicals. So it was basically, it was a little bit more of a, uh, a melting pot and the cast parties were pretty great as far mm. as that went. Obviously, you know, like that I had, I had, I had crossover here as well. And what was, what was interesting is that by the time that, we graduated, you know, not only were, you know, I and a bunch of my friends, there were heads who were just, you know, had just, you know, dropped the facade and had just gotten into it for whatever reason. So, so that was kind of nice. You know, it was, it was right. Times. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're, they, they, drama kids, you know, I always, I, I, they always seemed a little bit alien to me um, just because they were so uh, uh, extroverted. They're very, very, they're very out there. And I, I didn't know quite a few of them actually, uh, at that time when I was, when I was in school, but, um, mm -hmm. it, it was just hard to connect because they were always, they kind of had like that, um, public face. They're very good at that. Very good at like, you know, being, sure. uh, like they could be like that sales rep person that just, they, nothing cracks there. You never see them get flustered. Mm. They just seem very, oh, yeah, hey, what's going on? Uh, you know, and you're just like, okay. you know, and you're like, oh, they like me. And then you notice they talk like that with everybody. Like, oh, they like everybody. Hmm. Mm. I don't, yeah. you know, so it was always that. So it wasn't necessarily that they ever did anything wrong or did anything bad. It just was like sort mm -hmm. of just like, it's like, I, I don't know where I even stand with these people. Like, you, you don't know if they were actually your friend or not. They're just somebody that sure you know. no i mean i think i think i think that's that's valid and one of the things one of the things i noticed too when i'm looking back at this is that you know all of us you know whatever cultural tribe we essentially belong to we all had the smaller roles you know what i mean it's like there was no none of the stars were were hanging out with us if anything we're hanging out with like the you know the the props crew or the uh you know the, the people working behind the scenes you know next up is Straight up scholastic nerds, John Justice types, Excelsior. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh God. Oh. They're, they're the uh, they're the ones actually probably making a lot of money right now. So undoubtedly, undoubtedly. <laughs> no, the ones the ones that that weren't you know uh, sociopathic killers 
I'm sure actually did did quite well for themselves, you know. And and through my uh, exchanges with them, we're pretty we're pretty nice guys. Um, I don't remember there being girl nerds, or at least not, you know, primarily. Um, and I think I think that's changed a great great deal in that the whole idea of the nerd is so all encompassing now that you know now that people are are going to see like you know, Marvel movies, you know, you, you know, 10 at a time, you know, that there's, there's just a sense that the whole nerd thing uh, has thing evaporated somewhat. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. Change. That's not, and actually I, if I could even say like from my group um, of friends, you know, whatever you want to call them, they mm-hmm. were, you know, more of the alternative oddballs. Um mm. And, you know, there were scholastic nerds in there, like really, really brilliant people, you know, just like the stuff they knew at a young age was just, you know, unbelievable. Um, but, you know, it was like um, that some of those people just they're just, just I don't know if they were born that bright or the parents put them on the right track for certain things or classes. Mm. But they I mean, and it was women and, 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 and women, men. So it was like uh, it was it was crossover for a lot. So um, the ones that I grew up with uh, f- from just a little bit of Facebook exchanges, they seem to be doing quite well. So good. Good for them, yeah. actually. No That's John cool. Justice. Today, so. No, no. We, one was enough. You know, simple yeah. as that. Yep. So um, and next up, we got we got the jocks. You touched on this before. Mostly uh, aggressive assholes uh they were at times egged on by some of these uh coach teachers i have a friend yep. actually I have like uh two or three friends on yep. the on the swim team and and that was about as jockish really as my friend group got but he used to talk about that that one of these one of these characters uh would like literally like sick his team on the swim team when they were getting ready in uh you know in the locker room so, you know, just basically just, just going to start wailing on them. So wow. Wow. really, really unfortunate, you know, really, really, um, really not happy to hear that. But yeah, uh, the jocks were, I don't know if they were the worst, but they, I mean, there, there was, a, like I said, it was a mixed bag there. Like I said, there was probably five or six that were just, just ridiculous. And the rest were cool. You know, they're just like, you know, football mm-hmm. players, baseball, whatever, you know, th- th- that were they were into stuff. They were definitely into, but they weren't like ridiculous aggressive, but it just took those couple guys that just made it so like stupid. Just like, come on. What the sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm reminded of those, uh, the two guys in, uh, in Heather's you ever see Heather's. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's right up there. So, yep. Okay. Well, now it's time to dig in. We're going to talk about the heads, AKA Heshers, metalheads, headbangers, whatever you're going to call in your town, you know, that sort of thing. Essentially, I, I they ruled Kenmore in the respect that there were way more of them than, honestly, like any other uh, of these these little subgroups, you know, that, that type of thing. I don't know why this was, and I don't know how it, how it evolved this way, but by the time I got to uh i got to 10th grade and i was i was well in the sway of punk rock um that somehow made me um like a, a sworn enemy you know of, mo- of most of the heads um but you know a little more on that in a, in a minute uh clothing is basically uh black leather jackets jeans concert t-shirts long hair you mm-hmm. know the, the basics there uh, girls were, were, were more fashionable, of course, because they were girls, uh, closer to the classic 1980s style, but just rougher, um, more black colored stuff, uh, lace, you know, some leather. Uh, but I do know, I remember girls wearing, um, like white leather stuff, like, especially like white leather boots. I believe there mm-hmm. was, uh, a mention of, uh, Kathy Harold, you know, wearing that, but, or red you know, red leather was the thing too, mm-hmm. and big hair. You know that oh, yeah. that much that much hadn't big hadn't hair. changed, yeah, at all. So. Yeah, even when I was there, big hair was was a thing. 
Really? It was, oh yeah. It was it was you know very very big hairs for if for the girls they oh the hairspray. Woo. If you lit a match, man, some people would be catch on caught on fire in that place. I mean, it's just there's, uh, yeah. I I think so. Strangely enough, I remember my freshman year. I remember uh, the heads, and they were very mm. prevalent, and mm-hmm. and there were a lot of them. Mm-hmm. By the next couple of years after that. I noticed that, I mean, there were still around and the, you know, but they, the aggressiveness stopped and they were sort of just kind of, you know, like, I don't know. I, I, I never had an issue with them, but I remember distinctly mm-hmm. in my freshman year and that would have been, uh, 88. Uh, they were extremely aggressive, mm-hmm. like really aggressive. Like I was like, kind of like taken aback. I was like, what is going on here? Like, what is wrong with these guys? And then it mm-hmm. all changed, you know? That's really funny that you say that because for me, it was it was just uh, it was just the opposite. By the time I graduated in '88, before you guys came on, that the whole maybe maybe it was just you know basically like a class or two had had passed through, but the heads had really uh, become a lot less aggressive mm-hmm. in general, at least that I noticed. But maybe it was just being a senior and that you're just ac- acclimated to it by that point. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe so. But it was it was a real issue. The music was changing, actually, during during this period, especially both metal and punk, despite the fact that the the adherents were just were were very purist about stuff. The that metal in general uh, had evolved into what they were calling thrash metal, which was essentially uh, the big four are the ones that everybody knows uh, Metallica, Megadeth, Slayer. Of course, Slayer's the big one, uh-huh. and Anthrax. Uh-huh. And uh, Anthrax actually was my favorite because they had a sense of humor. Uh-huh. And uh, and later on, they uh, they did um, they did bring the noise with uh, with Public Enemy. Yeah, it was pretty right. great. It was pretty right. great. Good. So, but um, but basically, that that had all evolved from a combination of what they called uh, the new wave of British heavy metal, which was Iron Maiden primarily, and Judas Priest. And and that that mixed with like the tempos of hardcore punk, just much much faster. Um, you got you got thrash metal, and that was that was the big deal and stuff. And I look back on it now, and it seems stupid that any of this was worth arguing over or anything like that. I mean, I've come to really love Slayer. Um, I never liked Megadeth, Metallica, even the old stuff really bores me. I pulled out uh, Kill 'Em All the other day, man. Just there was just not, there was nothing there. It was I like really... Metallica. I can listen to mm-hmm. it. It's not not. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my first choice. But um, sure. I can. I I I I get you. There's it. It becomes formulaic with Metallica a lot. I mean, there's sure. a lot of, a lot of talent there. I can hear it. But it just it's mm-hmm. like, all right, can we? You know, I mean, like the other other songs. I mean, other bands like you're saying, like Slayer and Anthrax. They mm-hmm. seem to try to do different things. I mean, it was still in that rock vein and or heavy heavy metal vein. Oh but, sure. Um, Sure. But uh, I just like you want them to take some chances once in a while and surprise you. Right. Right. But at that point, I couldn't I couldn't even yeah, I couldn't bring myself to even even listen to Metallica or Slayer at that point, because those were the favorite bands of the the guys that were, you know, beating the shit out of us or just, you know, fucking with us constantly every day. So it just it just wasn't it just wasn't an option. But until now, I mean, <laughs> I can recognize good music, you know, like separate from Maiden's great. Judas Priest is amazing, but you know, whatever. So, right. But uh, despite uh, despite what the adults had said about the various lyrics and things along those lines, the only band that was overtly satanic was Slayer. And even then, we're only talking like a song. A song here, a song there, you know, and a lot of it was done for, I think, you know, kind of like shock value. But but before that, it was just you had you had Venom and Merciful Fate. I know these both, you know, just again from from just from T-shirts, you know, for for so long, you know, that uh, that uh, those guys were were, you know, they were they were into it, you know, at least at least uh, as far as the lyrics went and the whole thing. But everybody got accused 
of Satanism as far as metal, oh, went, which yeah. was yeah, completely unfair. But... but it's unfair. But a lot of the a lot of the album covers, the titles, they they were shocking probably to a lot of adults who were into Frank Sinatra or something like that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> They're like, sure, what the hell sure. is this? Right. You know. I remember. Well, I remember one of the articles we had. Um, I think it was Hinchy was uh, was quoting like Bruce Springsteen and Prince, and yeah. just it was madness. You know, absolute madness. But, but then again, that's you know that's more for the uh, uh, the Satanic Panic podcast, and hopefully that's going to be the next one that we uh, we we bring together. Next up here, uh, this is this is the part where I'm talking about the punks. Just just so just so you know, the reason that we altered the the tag at the beginning uh, to include homophobic slurs is because homophobic slurs were weaponized against the punks by the heads. Essentially, it was uh, it was constant. But the thing the thing whole thing about punks in general was that none of us actually called ourselves punks i don't i have no idea if heads called themselves heads you know or anything like that but we certainly didn't um because like we listened we listened to like all kinds of different music you know so i was i was mostly into like you know like weird pre-punk bands like the velvet underground and the stooges and the mc5 and the punk rock too but the name was essentially put on all of us, no matter what we listened to, because as a whole, we had silly haircuts and we dressed right. funny. But the big issue for me, and I, I bring this up uh, in, the, uh, in the graphic novel, and I'm bringing it up now because for a very specific reason, is that every single day it was punk rock faggot, punk rock faggot. Fuck you, fag, fucking fag, punk rock faggot, pushed around, pushed around. And it just, it was on a daily basis. Right. And the manner in which that we were able to resist that, um, it altered from person to person. For me, I had a relatively large friend group that was also had silly haircuts and dressed funny. Just basically, it was strength in numbers and, and, and just that, you know, despite the fact that we're still constantly getting hammered with this every single day, was that um, it only went to a certain point, you know, mm-hmm. and after a while, I mean, we weren't going to get, you know, the shit kicked out of us you know, because right. of that. The so, only reason you could, yeah, be safe is be safety in numbers, at least that well, yeah. hopefully well, yeah. they wouldn't, wouldn't, someone wouldn't start swinging if there's a bunch of other guys with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that wasn't true all the time. And sure, yeah. Sooner or later, you're walking home alone. Right, and you get your ass beat, and it's pretty, it's pretty fucking grim, man. That sucked. And honestly, I mean, like, despite the fact that there are little guys specifically, you know, heads, that, you know, that, that I'm friends with as as an adult, it's still... Like very occasionally, like I'll just get reminded of something. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. They held my friend down while you punched him in the stomach. Right. Yeah, right. That's yeah, yeah. right. So I mean, so in a way, it was one of those things uh, that all all of this stuff was really. It helped us develop thicker skins, which was helpful for the future, you know. And and it just and it made us, uh, it made us strong, you know. But we had it easy. Because we were all, at least of the, the friends that I had, were basically straight. And it makes you wonder about the gay kids that heard that shit every day. Yeah. And how that affected them on a personal level, you right. know. Right. And, and again, you know, it's like uh, we, had, we had defenses. You know, oh, I'm not a fag. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, whatever it was. Right, right. But the fact is, is that, you know, for, for, uh, for some of these guys... And I, I know I know one specifically, you know, I, I didn't know at the time, but I found out later. But it was potential for developing empathy for real minorities, you know, gay right. people, black people, you know, right. like it just like, you know, trans people, but not an essentially affected one like punk rock. You know what I mean? I could I could take off my costume 
when I went home. That was just right. Yeah, no, that's that's the thing is when you I mean, that yeah, I get what you're saying. It's like, yeah, you weren't technically one of those people who would normally be ostracized. But because you were lumped together and all of a sudden you felt that feeling for, you know, that you know, those moments then all of a sudden you do understand when, you know, some, uh, you know, a black person's walking down the street and someone throws a racial slur at them as they drive by, you know, it's like, right. They're just going by their, about their daily business doing whatever they need to do. And all someone's got to throw hate towards them and they have to process it and carry on. Right. You know? and, and, and unfortunately, yeah. I mean, Aaron, you, I mean, you kind of, you kind of hit on, uh, I, I'm not going to take this this any you know any, any further down down this this road just because it does get very dark and and you and I can can argue back and forth about what it means as far as you know actually empathizing with an individual and somehow really knowing you know what they went through. What, what oh that, yeah, what that's that that's is, totally you know? different. But I'm just saying right, that right. when you experience that, and then you can say okay. I don't know what it's like to live like that every day because, you know, obviously a person's in their skin and they can't leave it. Uh, right. You can you can go home and mm-hmm. change your whole look. You could become ahead the next day if you wanted to. Absolutely. You know, and Absolutely. maybe be accepted. But, mm-hmm. you know, you'd have to probably worship something in snake land first. So. True. Or, you know, maybe give up a finger or something, you know. I mean, just like <laughs> throw something on the on the altar there. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah, but, yeah. so. Anyways, I'm sorry. I I I, I, I kind of kind of took that out a little bit, but um, but I really wanted to make my point, and especially you know like we don't we don't use words like that lightly. You know we don't use slurs in general lightly. So you know I just wanted to you know wanted to make that point. But yeah. anyways, what were we wearing that was getting us all this grief? Well, mostly it was black leather jackets and jeans. And concert T-shirts, pretty much just what the ads were wearing, except a lot more of our concert T-shirts were white for some reason. Combat boots, short hair, you know, cut weird, colored. Uh, we're wearing, you know, mod stuff from like the 60s, shirts we painted, shirts we wrote all over with Sharpie, bleached jeans, Converse All-Stars. Just pretty much just anything, anything and everything, you know, and that was that was at that time. Aaron, I know, I know you had a, a goofy haircut, but aside aside from that, were you were you <laughs> were you into like any of like the other the other stuff that I've mentioned, or was it pretty much like I mean, you were brand new to the area, so I'd imagine you were probably keeping it pretty cool. I was trying to find my way. Um, like I said, my friends, it was different because it was like we were just leaving like the 80s and getting to the 90s. So it was like this weird time where it was like um, we still had some of the 80s overtones, but then the 90s were coming in. Like uh, just, mm-hmm. to, just to paint this, like I think maybe my senior year or maybe it was um, my junior year that uh, the first Blur album came out and – Nirvana's uh, Nevermind came out. Um, oh wow! Okay. So, like it was different. Like it was mm-hmm. like yeah. I mean, it's like you still have the same groups or whatever, but things were got this weird, took it in weird directions. So we were mm-hmm. like the alternative kids were extremely eclectic. Like mm-hmm. it was like everything from like hippies to freaking mm-hmm. like the stuff that you're talking about that kind mm-hmm. of look, and then to like you know just people who are just kind of artsy or kind of smart so it was a little bit different the, the punk rock thing kind of like went away and not that it totally like it disappeared it just wasn't no. like group anymore it was more of these we i think we changed to i, I don't even know we didn't even call ourselves alternative kids but we could tell that we were all like a little bit different <laughs> well, sure sure i mean i guess it just comes back down to like what did they call you when they wanted to fuck with you you know like that that sort of that sort of thing you know hey devo hey new wave you know like you know whatever whatever else it might have been but i think i think pretty much the uh the metal uh or the heads in general uh had probably well no that's that's you had said it was really really intense at the beginning of your time at west um, had it gone the same way as it went for me? Had it calmed down a lot around around West by the time you graduated? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so we were. It, it, things changed too because all of a sudden we had the introduction of hip hop and rap. Ah, uh, yeah. Things, 
incredible. Which is much more power, which is much more powerful uh, culture wise than either metal or punk. Yes, so. all of a sudden things. I mean, it was a huge sea change there because all of a sudden, mm-hmm. uh, I just remember seeing Public Enemy shirts. I remember, mm-hmm. you know, a lot. I mean, just a lot of stuff like you know, we had the Yo MTV raps, you know, sure. like stuff sure. like that, and it was like very different. You know, we had NWA, mm-hmm. so like things like all of a sudden changed drastically, and there was all these kids that just totally went to that. And that became their whole identity. So there are a bunch of white kids living in suburbs that were dressing like, you know, hip hop, you know, the whole persona. And uh, that was a group. It was definitely a group. Uh, Mm -hmm. You still had the heads, classic heads. You can't, you know, nothing changed from what you're described. But they weren't as aggressive. Uh, And Mm. you you had the alternative kids. But also part of the alternative kids, but a little bit different totally our own subculture we had skaters and there was a large group of skateboarders in my time so mm, gotcha. like it was they were really intense into it they were into hardcore music yep. uh, and they were into skateboarding and there was probably like 10 or 12 of them in the school that were like and they were just chill and they were cool to be around yeah, that you know that makes that makes perfect sense. You know, for the number of uh, you know really smaller number of skate kids that I knew, but I, I usually knew them because of hardcore. So mm-hmm. and then and then that that really never changed to my knowledge, and still see like uh, you know skate videos you know now and again, and they'll still be playing like uh, Last Caress by uh, the Misfits and stuff like that. You know, I, right. I, I think it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of um, jackass as well you know, kind of, kind of went in that direction. So, you know, sure. um, cause we, we can't, we can't underestimate the power of jackass. I mean, that was, that was a big cultural deal for a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, my age, your age, the whole thing. So, right. um, yeah. To be continued next week in episode eight. Return of Snakeland podcast was created by Aaron O'Brien and Jason Gusman. All music written and performed by Dotson Moon. If you like what you've heard, you can access more Dotson Moon music at dotsonmoon.bandcamp.com. If you have any information as to the 1985 murder of Kathy Harold, please contact us at our email address, Return of Snakeland at gmail.com You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you have an interest in further historic materials from the period or information on the Return to Snakeland graphic novel, please come see us at returntosnakeland.com If you would like to contribute in order to ensure the future of this podcast, you can find our Patreon at patreon.com front slash return to snake land thanks for everything see you next time